All right, so we're going to jump back into a series we started last week called Killing It Without Killing Yourself. And uh, we're talking about uh, a kind of a new way or, or maybe just taking the time in this, uh, what do you call this, this season, uh, this moment in our history where we are rethinking uh, the future, rethinking what comes after this. And so as we think about that and... Um, uh, we want to think about how we can come out of this stronger and better. Now, last week, one of the things that we talked about was losing faith in the world. I want, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm asking myself to give up believing in the world. It's just never going to listen to you. It's never going to give you a set of rules that if you obey, uh, that things are going to work out. So I, we want to start uh, this process by realizing the world isn't going to come through for us. And we need to do that. How we're going to deal with that is we're going to come after our beliefs. So the title of today's message is, What if we believed as Jesus believed? What if we believed as Jesus believed? Think about that for a second. Do we believe the things and the way that Jesus believed? Now, I know a lot of times we assume we do. Like, I go to church. I read the Bible. And I, uh, I have thoughts and ideas about God, and, and I'm a Christian, so yes, I believe like Jesus believed. But if we're honest with ourselves and with the Word of God, that when we get into reading the Gospels or, or those kinds of things, uh, we see that we are, that Jesus' life looked very different from ours. Even if you subtract the culture and the heritage that he grew up in, Jesus' life looked very different from ours. And so what I suggest is that our beliefs need some adjusting. We need to fix the things we believe. That we have beliefs about money and work and time and calendars. We have beliefs about how busy that we should be. We have a lot of beliefs about how people should perceive us. And so let's call all that into question. Let's, instead of just assuming that our beliefs are right and true, why not call all of our beliefs into question? Now you're like, Michael, if I do that, it's going to create a lot of stress for me. But that's my job to create stress for you. Wouldn't you agree? Amen? <laughs> all right, good deal. A few people agree with me, and that, that's okay. Okay. Is it on? Okay. You've got me now? Okay, still having sound issues, I guess. That's okay. We'll, uh, we'll have those until we don't. <laughs> All right, so there's a lot of garbage in our systems, our belief systems that we, we hold on to, and so how do we get past those? And what, what about church? What about church? I mean, it's one thing for me to call into question beliefs about our time and our calendar and our money and all those kind of things, but what about church itself? Does it look like anything that we see in the New Testament? Does it look like something? Uh, are our beliefs about it? Is there anything in there that needs to be adjusted? Do we in any way believe differently than Jesus Christ? Now, here's, here's why this matters. We tend to do something that Jesus didn't do. We tend to separate what we know and believe from what we do. And a lot of times what we do is we come to church and we get information. And that's what uh, I do, Pastor Michael does, Pastor Steve does too, through music, is we give you 
information. And what we often think is, well, I have the information, I'm good to go. Because that's kind of how American life has worked. We learn something, we pass the test, and off we go, and that information is in our pocket. But then we get out in the real world, whether it's your career, whether it's academics, whether it's financially, we get out in the real world and we begin to find out that the information had a different part, and until you know how to apply the information, you haven't actually learned anything. And that's where Jesus looked at things differently than we do. You see, Jesus was a Hebrew, and in the Hebrew mind, the, the, what someone believed and what they did were two sides of the same coin. Your actions showed what you believed. What you believe came out in your actions. It's, it was kind of a, a synergy. And so when Jesus called his disciples, said, hey, follow me to some fishermen on the shore. And there were others, if you read Jesus' story, there were other people that, that Jesus said, follow me, and they did not follow. They did not apply the invitation. They did not walk into the invitation. But the ones who did, Peter, James, John, Andrew, they walked away from their fishing business to follow Jesus. And because they were obedient to the call to follow, they got to spend uh, their lives, three and a half years of their life, with the Messiah. And they got to be taught. And so Jesus would teach those who would step out into his teaching. And his Hebrew mindset, the knowing and believing and the doing were part of the same thing. But here's what happened. Jesus' message of hope went out of a Hebrew world and, and was given to and marched through a Greek world. And in the Greek mindset, it, there, the knowing and doing were different things. Dualism existed. And so we received the gospel from that Greek culture, and so it's a little different. And so this is why the book of James is in your Bible. The book of James was written to a group of Hellenized Jews, the diaspora, who had been influenced by Greek thinking. And so the book of James is saying things to us like, faith without works is dead. He was trying to help those Gentiles and Greeks understand that what you do and what you believe are the same thing, just two sides of the same coin. So with that in mind, when I talk about what if we believed as Jesus believed, help, I want us all to understand that what we believe comes out in what we do. Would you agree with that? I got some yeses and some horns. So let me read you a passage, Matthew 7, 24. Jesus said this. If Jesus said it, it's got to be legit, right? Right. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you see what Jesus is saying? You hear my teaching and you apply it. You walk into it. You do what it says. You put it into practice. And this is what it means to follow Christ and to be a Christian. It means that we do what Jesus said. Jesus called it obedience. It, bottom line is, it, it is evidence of faith. When you believe Jesus so much that you're willing to do the things he told us to do, that evidence is real faith. So today I want to talk about three things that Jesus believed. Now you're sitting there going, why not ten things? And that's because some of you don't have enough gas to heat your car that long, okay? So, 
Let me jump in. Three things Jesus believed. Jesus believed three things would change the world. Jesus believed God's word would change the world. Matthew 4.4. Jesus told Satan, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And again in Luke eleven twenty eight, Jesus replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Here's some things Jesus believed about the word of God. You ready? Jesus believed that God is speaking right now, present. That God would always be speaking. That God would never stop speaking. Jesus believed that he could talk to God. What do you think about that? Was Jesus nuts? Or was Jesus trying to teach us something? Jesus believed that he could talk from God. He believed he could hear from God. Now sometimes, was it an audible voice? Sometimes it was. But God has a language. God has a language far greater than words. Just like you have a language that's far greater than words. We have a language of pictures, of feelings, of memories. We have a vast language that's far greater than just the words that come out of our mouths. And Jesus understood that God, that God spoke through all of those things. He could speak through this beautiful day that you're sitting in. He could speak through this wind. Jesus even used that as an analogy in John 3 to teach us how the Holy Spirit worked. Jesus knew that he, he could teach through the tears of a grieving mother, that God could speak through the suffering of those with leprosy, and that God would also speak through the joys of those at a wedding feast. Jesus believed that God was always speaking, and Jesus valued, hear this, hear this, hear this. Jesus valued hearing God as higher and more important and more critical than your daily food. He thought it was more important to hear from God than to eat. That's what Jesus believed. Now, I know that when I started this and, and I asked the question, do you believe like Jesus believes? And now I'm telling you, Jesus thought hearing from God was more important than eating lunch, than having your necessary food. So Jesus believed in God's word. Now, how can we really elevate God's word in our belief system? Now, surely... We can read the Bible, right? We can do that. You want to honk on that? We can read the Bible? Good. I just want to make, I really just want to wake up the person in the car next to you. It wasn't really about you. Just kidding. It was about you. Anyway, Jesus believed that God's word was priority, and we can read the word. We can go to a, a Bible study, a small group, I guess right now a Zoom meeting, but I think shortly we'll be able to gather again. And uh, we can do that, and we can certainly have a conversation about the Word of God. And that's been a lot of what our small groups have been in the past, is we're talking about the Word of God. And we are having a conversation about the information that we learn, and that's good. But here's the thing. If you want and if you truly believe that God's Word is vital, it's one thing to read it. It's just as important to do it. Amen? To do it. 
And I know that that's, that's challenging. But here I want to ask you a question. How would it change the course of your life if you read the words of Jesus and then you did what Jesus said? When Jesus said you forgive your, your, those who've offended you, you stepped out in faith and you obeyed Jesus. You see, that's, what, that's one of the things that Peter's story of walking on the water was about. You see, Peter's in a boat in a storm, if you know the story, and Jesus invites him to walk on the waves of the storm. Now, faith isn't believing that Jesus can make me walk on water. Faith is stepping out on water that I can't walk on and trusting that Jesus will hold me up. And it's the same way with every command of Jesus. When he tells us to love those who are our enemies, he knows we can't do that on our own. He knows that is a raging sea in our lives. But he also knows that if we will step out like an insane person, out of a not-so-safe boat, onto a completely unsafe storm, that he will hold us up and we will love our enemies. He will do that through us. How? We will do just like Peter, and we will keep our eyes on him. And when we take our eyes off him, then what happens is we start to sink. What happens to us is we try to obey God's word, we get our eyes off Jesus, we start to sink, and then we begin to doubt God's word. What we need to doubt is our faithlessness. We need to doubt our trust in a leaky boat that's not working for us anyway, and we need to turn to God and look to him for the grace and the faith to step out on the raging sea of whatever it is that Jesus calls us to do. It might be forgiveness, might be loving your enemies, it might be stepping off into new ministries and new opportunities, it might be headed out into God's adventure for you. Whatever it is, every step of the way, you have to remember, you're not doing this in your own strength, you're doing this because God's word has made a statement and you step out in faith on God's word. That's how this works. That's how the word of God changes the world. The word of God changes the world through the obedience of the people who love God. Amen? So Jesus believed God's word would change the world. And he believed you could hear from God. And he believed you could do what God said. The second thing I want you to see is that Jesus believed that prayer would change the world. Jesus believed that praying would change the world. Matthew, I mean Luke 6:12. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Jesus believed prayer changed the world because Jesus knew something. And I'm about to tell you a secret you might not have thought of before, okay? It's not really a secret, but you might not have thought of it. And it's this. Have you ever considered that what happens in the natural, what happens in the world you live in, starts in the throne room of heaven? Have you ever considered that? Here's, here's, a, here's an idea to help you wrap your head around it. Do you remember the book of Job? Job, 42 chapters, I think, maybe 44. Book of Job. Job's troubles. We know all about Job and his suffering and his boils and losing his family. And we know the trials of Job. But do you know where Job's troubles began? They began in the courtroom of heaven. They began when an accuser 
Satan, Lucifer, walked into the throne room and levied accusation against Job. By the way, I should mention that God is the first one to mention, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He's doing great. And then the accuser comes along and says, sure, he's doing great. You protect him. Let me have him for a while and he'll curse you. And then on it goes. My point is this. The nuances of Job aside, my point is that heaven is a courtroom. And right now in the courtroom, there's an accuser, Satan, the enemy. There is an intercessor, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for the, uh, for the title of intercessor for you. The Bible says in Hebrews 7 that he prays for you uh, completely all the time. So in the courtroom of heaven is the accuser, the intercessor, the spirit of God, and the father, the judge. Now the father is for you. And the Father would much rather hear your prayers in his courtroom than Satan's accusations. Do you believe that? Do you believe God would rather hear you praying than Satan talking? That's right. So what I want you to realize is how important prayer is and how that you and I, because of what Jesus has done for us, that he's opened the door for you and I to enter heaven's courtroom. His death on the cross and his resurrection have made it so that we can boldly walk into the courtroom of heaven at any time. And then from that place, from that courtroom, through those prayers, influence what's happening here. Now, I know some of you are like, he's crazy. And the answer to that question is, right, I am. Because I believe that what you pray for in the throne room of heaven causes things to happen in the nasty now and now on this earth. And so as we pray and we enter that courtroom, God moves and things are born, things are conceived in that throne room that impact life on earth. Now think of the synergy here. Think of this beautiful synergy that Father God has created through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's a God who's always speaking. A God who's always dreaming, a God who's always creating, a God whose heart is for you and has been for you since the creation of the world, and he's wanting to speak to you through his word, which is like the interpretive key of the language of God, through the things that happen in your life, through nature, through beauty, through relationships. He speaks to you. Now, when he speaks to you, you start to think things you never thought before. You start to have hope you didn't have before you begin to see that you can take this this weird situation we're in right now and you realize because you're listening to God that the devil really screwed up this time oh I probably shouldn't have said that that he goofed up this time okay because what he did was he taught the church through this that they could go directly to their father they started praying more and then they begin to realize that prayer changes the world not their actions not how often they meet not all the things they do, but the fact that they're, they're connected with their Father God and He starts giving them crazy ideas. Ideas about how to love people and how to connect with this world and, and how to let people know that Jesus is the answer. He's also, the enemy has also taught everyone how failing the world's systems are. And so the children of God hear from their Father and they see opportunity. Now, here's the synergy. You hear from God and you're starting to think things you didn't think before. You're starting to have hope that you didn't have before. Now you go back to the throne room. The throne room where the voice and the hearing started from anyway. You go back to the throne room 
and you start asking God to do on earth what he's already put in your heart. That's the synergy. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus, Jesus made this happen. I hear from God and I ask for God to do what's on his creative heart to do. And I'm telling you, this, Jesus knew the word of God would change the world because he would put things in people's hearts and minds they never considered. Jesus also knew that by giving us access to the throne room, that it would birth things in the natural world that could never have been here without prayer. That's something that's on, that's ours. That's a privilege of mine and yours. Jesus believed that the word of God and prayer would change the world. And the last thing Jesus believed that I want to talk about today is that Jesus believed that he would change the world. Jesus believed that he would change the world. I want to read you a very uncomfortable passage about Jesus. I don't know what your mental image of who Jesus is, but this passage is going to mess with it. You ready? You're not, but let's do it anyway. Luke 12, 49. Jesus said, Jesus said it. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. Jesus said that. Jesus, the troublemaker, the rebel, the revolutionary. He realized that when in his coming to earth, that he was coming against every corrupt system of man. He realized that by his being here, living here, dying here, rising again here, and ascending from here, that he was going to turn everything on its head, and everything was going was to change greatly because he had come. He believed that he was the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus. That's why Jesus told people to listen to him. And obey him. Jesus told us to listen to Jesus and obey Jesus. Not men, not uh, famous writers or preachers or politicians. He told us to put our faith in Jesus as the answer. And that, my friends, is very important. It's very important because it's too easy to make ourselves the answer. It is. To make ourselves the saviors of our businesses our communities, or our families, or even ourselves. But you ain't the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is who people need to meet. Do you understand that? They need to meet Jesus. You remember the story of Levi or Matthew in the Bible, in uh, Luke 5, I think it is, Jesus still getting his disciples together. He's walking through this town, and there's an IRS table right over there. And at that table is Levi. Levi is a Jew who works for the Roman government. He's considered absolutely corrupt and unclean because of his job. He can't go to the temple, can't participate in temple worship. He's probably sitting on there uh, checking out Facebook on his phone, finding out what's going to happen today, getting his news from the allwrong.com station. <clears throat> there he is, and, and Jesus walks up, walks through that street, and I, who knows what happened. I mean, we, we get kind of the cliff notes in the gospel. I, I love 
uh, the, the Bible TV series that came out a few years ago, and it paints a picture of Jesus sharing the story about the, the tax collector who asked God for mercy. And he does it right in front of Levi, and that's a beautiful story. I don't know why that when Jesus walked up to that table and said to Matthew, or Levi, went by both names, said to him, uh, follow me, I don't know why this very wealthy, career-driven young man got up from that table and followed Jesus, but that's exactly what he did. Now, i got to ask myself, what was it? Why would you leave the money, the fame, the party lifestyle? Why would you leave that and follow this homeless guy? Because that's what Jesus would have looked like. And then here's a thought, I guess. I, I don't know for sure, but here's a thought. He met Jesus that day. He looked at Jesus. He saw the eyes that Revelation talked about these eyes of fire. And I know at that time on earth, Jesus just looked like a normal guy. But also there had to have been something about Jesus that was just significant, maybe disturbing or maybe inspiring. I don't know. It certainly seemed like he inspired a lot of people. All I know is here's IRS agent Matthew at the table collecting money from his own people to make himself wealthy and to make Rome wealthy. And now he looks at Jesus and something about meeting Jesus causes Matthew to respond to the invitation. Follow me. And so Matthew gets up, leaves his career behind, leaves the money behind to follow Jesus Christ. And then, by the way, just to add a little salt to the wound, he invites all his lost evil, reprobate, corrupt friends for a party and invites Jesus to the party and Jesus goes! <laughs> yeah! <clears throat> you see, Jesus is the answer. And if people can meet Jesus, it'll change their life. I don't know if any of my sermons will change a life, but if I can speak in a way that someone can meet Jesus, Jesus can change a life. I can have dinner with someone who doesn't know Jesus, and maybe I can bring Jesus to that dinner in some way. I can love them. I can show them what Jesus would do. I can act like Jesus acted when he was on earth among normal people who weren't religious or churchified. And in doing so, people will meet Jesus, and when they meet Jesus, they meet the answer. And I want you to remember that. The answer is Jesus. It's not a book. It's not a preacher. It's not a worship team. It's, it's not music. It's Jesus. Jesus believed that the word of God would change the world. Jesus believed that prayer would change the world. And Jesus believed that he would change the world. Now, what are you going to do about this? Worship team, why don't you come on up? What are you going to do about this? You see, I gave you some information. And if you sit in your vehicle right now, or you sit at home on Facebook or YouTube later as you watch this, and you say, well, that was, that was all right information. It wasn't that great, but it was, it was information. And you just move on with your day. Then, my friend, you will not be walking in faith at that point. Because faith does something when it hears. It puts into practice something. What should you put into practice today? Well, the first thing is you should get in the Word of God. Yes, 
God speaks in a lot of ways. But I wouldn't trust anyone who told me that God said something to them that didn't actually read the Bible and spend time in it and value it themselves. Because the Bible itself is the interpretive key to the language of God. It's the key to help you understand how God thinks and how God moves. So what if you read your Bible and started doing what it says? What if you as a small group leader, rather than just talking about today's lesson, if you meet in a digging deeper group, or if you meet with someone this week or even talk with them over the phone, what about just talking about it? What if you finish the session asking, okay, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to do what the Word of God says? And then, let's just add a little salt into that wound. Then what if we gathered a week later and we ask ourselves, well, did you do what you said you would do? What a, what a change that would make in our lives. So what if you read the Bible and started doing what it says and you, you talked with other people, shared that with them? What if you elevated your prayer life? What if you and I elevated your prayer life? Now, some of you are sitting there going, oh, Michael, I've been praying a lot lately. Good. How about we notch it up one? How about you take it up a little bit more? How about your goal now as a Christian is to make prayer more and more extraordinary in your life? And so as soon as you, may, you take an extraordinary step, I'm going to get up 30 minutes earlier to pray every day. As soon as that becomes normal, why don't you take another extraordinary step? We know that no move of God, and by the way, that's what we want. We want a move of God in Wyoming. No move of God happens without a move of prayer first. The, the Christians in Korea arise and pray two hours daily for their churches and for their communities. That Muslims throughout the world that have come to Christ now are, are setting aside days and, and overnight prayer vigils for their Muslim brothers and sisters who haven't found Christ yet. So prayer is always proceeding. So how could you make your prayer life more? And, and last, lastly, how could you turn to how could you learn of and how could you share Jesus more? How can we lean into him is the answer. How can we stop looking at our bank accounts or looking at Facebook to entertain us or, or whatever? And how could we look and turn into Jesus more? Because he's the answer. Father, I've laid, I've laid a challenge. Please don't let anyone think it's a challenge to them. It's a challenge for me. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow us as we worship to let these words settle into our hearts. And Lord, let us look into the eyes of Jesus and hear him say, follow me. And let us leave our table and whatever's on it behind. Invite all our friends and follow Jesus. In his mighty name I pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.